Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. I'm going to do an AMA today. Why? Here's the thing. I had this grand plan. Somebody had suggested to me that I should do being, uh, what's his name? Levi? Levy? Levi. Levi Johnson. Bean Levi, which I never watched because you guys know I don't watch most of those bean specials. For the most part, I just don't care for them. They said, you should do it. Uh, Bristol looks terrible in it. And Sonny, his wife, has like gone full on, um, what's the word? Oh, like full on save the hashtag, save the children QAnon. And I was like, yeah, I definitely want to do that because I wanted to kind of discuss, since there's still no new episodes, the fever dream that was like Bristol Palin being on Teen Mom. I just think like sometimes I'm like, I can't believe that happened. Like we just had one season of Bristol and then she left and it was like never acknowledged ever again. And she like really, at least in my opinion, is not part of Teen Mom canon like at all. I For the most part, even like on like the the subreddits and stuff, like I never see her posted about because she's not really even considered a former cast member and I was like yeah I think that would be really actually pretty interesting to talk about um and give my opinion on and it's different than what I've been doing and I was like all I have to do it guess what it's not fucking online (laughs) it's not on the MTV website you can't buy it on Amazon (laughs) it is on the MTV Canada website and I like uh, I need a VPN. It's a whole thing. So I'm not doing that. And so I decided I would do an AMA because I was really bummed. I like really was looking forward to it. And I was like, I'll just I'll just do an AMA. They're easy. I like talking about myself. I haven't done one in quite a while. So I should get a bunch of questions, which I did. I had the the thing up for like 12 hours and I got a bunch of questions. Um, Also, I'm glad that I did that because I am really tired. It's currently like noon on Saturday and I woke up at four this morning with like the worst, not the worst acid reflux. That's a weird thing. I have pretty bad acid reflux that I've like for the most part completely gotten under control with um, like daily Nexium. Nexium's the name of that cold, right? (laughs) Like a once a day antacid. Um, They really help. For the, if I have something really spicy, I'll take like, um, well, I used to take the one that I guess gives us all cancer, so we can't take it anymore. But like, I'll take an antacid, like a quick release one before bed. Um, because if I don't, I will wake up in the middle of the night feeling like I'm choking. Um, it's the truly the worst feeling in the world. My whole esophagus will feel like it's on fire, and I wake up like cough choking because I can't, um, like breathe through my mouth it's it's really awful so it wasn't that so when I say like the worst acid reflux it actually wasn't the worst acid reflux or even close to it I woke up at four like got up went to the bathroom and then I had this feeling like I needed to burp and I couldn't and I couldn't and I couldn't and I was like googling it and that's of course a sign of acid reflux and yeah so I've been up since four this morning I think I like dozed off between 7 and 7.30 when I like, or maybe 6 and 6.30, whenever it was. And I like looked at the clock when I kind of rolled back over and knew I was up again. And I was like, fuck, because I have schoolwork to do today. I, class starts on Tuesday and I have readings that I have to do. I've already 
done a decent amount of it. I I think I'm pacing myself pretty okay, but I need I need to get up and get some energy. So yeah, that's where I am today. <laughs> being having to burp but not being able to. <laughs> oh god, acid reflux is really the worst. Um anyway, what happened in Team Mom News this week? Really nothing. Um there is a video I posted it on my Instagram, feathers underscore pod. There is a video. That was a release of the the pistol whipping incident when David pistol whipped, allegedly, Janelle's friend, James. James is the boyfriend of Josh. Josh and Janelle have been friends since they were in high school, like a long, long time, but it's like any of her friends. They don't seem to see each other or talk for years, and then he comes back around, and I guess they had all been hanging out because... If you look at uh, Josh's Twitter, he had actually like been defending David up until this point. And so they had all been hanging out. And then I guess Janelle decided to leave David one night and Josh and James were helping her do it. And of course, David flipped the fuck out. Uh, James says that David pistol whipped him. And so James went and pressed charges on him. Here's the thing, though. In the state of North Carolina, which is really crazy, and we've seen this, actually. We've seen Janelle do it on TV. A citizen can, like, press misdemeanor charges on another citizen. It's very weird. It's very, very weird. Um, It's what we saw. Remember when Janelle was (laughs) on trial for throwing (laughs) what she says, throwing a bottle of ice water at Jessica? And it was so weird because there, like, wasn't a prosecutor. Like, the police guy was in charge of it. And it was, like, just a very bizarre trial. And that's because that was done, like, through this citizen pressing charges of a misdemeanor. So David went and also retaliated against James by pressing charges against him and saying he was using self-defense. So eventually, I guess they just mutually agreed to drop the charges. I'm not sure why... It was only a misdemeanor if David hit him with a gun because pistol whipping someone is really like you can kill someone doing that if you get them in the right spot of their head. I mean, I would imagine that really, really, really hurts. Uh, and it, I would think it would be felony assault, but I guess for whatever reason it was not. So charges get dropped. And then this week, James like gave a video to a YouTuber. I think her name is Leslie Bass. I've don't watch her so I don't know anything about her but James gave her this video that was clearly recorded by Janelle because if you guys haven't realized this yet Janelle records like a ton of these fights like that's why we've seen remember when we saw the pictures of the bathroom like ripped apart and then when she went to Tennessee remember we got like maybe three or four videos of them fighting and the one where Janelle's like screaming like I'm calling Marissa's grandmother like Janelle records a lot of their fights and what happens is when Janelle's mad she gives these recordings to people in her life and then she falls out with them again and everybody in her life this is what's been I mean this has been happening for 10 years Um, I'm not saying that James shouldn't have released this video but I'm just saying like Janelle should know by now that, like, anything she gives to one of her friends, like, is going to find its way to Twitter or YouTube or the tabloids. So James gives Leslie the recording that Janelle has. It's mostly an audio recording of him getting assaulted by David. And I posted a clip of it on my 
uh, YouTube, my YouTube, on my Instagram, and I, like, oh, it's really bad. It's really scary. Ensley and Kaiser are there. Clearly, David is screaming on the top of his lungs. It's really aggressive. It's really fucking scary. It's really scary. And Janelle calmly says to Kaiser, like, okay, Kaiser, let's go put your shoes on and get out of here. Oh, supposedly Jason Marissa were there too when this happened. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know how CPS, like, and I'm sure that was sent to CPS, right? Like, I'm sure of that. Um, I don't know how CPS doesn't, like, that's not enough to open another investigation. I just don't, I don't get it. I understand, like, that it's very hard to remove children permanently from parents and as it should be. Um, but I'm surprised that this did not open another investigation as far as we know. I mean, maybe it did. Maybe it did. And then it didn't go anywhere again. Who who really knows? But it's really horrifying. It's really scary. Um, major trigger warning. If you are triggered by domestic violence stuff, I would say you don't need to listen to it. Honestly, nobody needs to listen to it. It just confirms everything that we know about David, right? And it, I mean... To me, it also confirms a lot that I know about Janelle, that she wants to leave him, but actually, like, wants to be... She just is so stuck. She's so fucking stuck. She's so stuck. She is desperate to be loved and desperate to have attention, but obviously wants to leave David because she's left him, I mean, multiple times in the last year. And I would imagine multiple times before that, we just didn't necessarily know about it. They're always breaking up and getting back together, which is funny to say about people that are married because you don't like break up when you're married. You get a divorce. But David and Janelle are always breaking up. And I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take for her to leave. Um, I don't think it's going to take something. Like, I don't think that consequences are going to be what forces Janelle to leave, right? Because she's already apparently have has had very severe consequences with David. He has gotten her fired from MTV. He's murdered her dog, maybe in front of her and the kids. Um, He got her kids taken away again. He, I just like all of the things that he's done. um, There have been pretty major consequences. And that doesn't include whatever physical abuse that she's suffering or the kids are suffering under David. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't think it makes sense to be like, what's it going to take for Janelle to leave? Kind of like how I don't really believe in, like, a rock bottom getting people sober. I think it's just she's going to have to get sick and tired of it one day. Like, one day, the pain is going to be so great. The emotional pain is going to be so great that she realizes, like, it's going to hurt so bad that like the high of getting back together and feeling loved won't outweigh that hurt. And like, that's what happens when you get sober. Usually like it just, the pain is just so great that you can no longer live that way and you make a choice to stop living that way. And I think that is what is going to have to happen with Janelle. Like, I don't think it's going to be a huge incident. Like people think, I mean, hopefully Janelle and the kids all get out of there alive. Um, I, it, you know, that that's what I'll say. Hopefully they get out of there alive. But if they do, and I, I, I do think they will. Um, just, I, I do. I don't know. I can't, like, walk around this earth being, like, Janelle's going to get murdered. Like, I just can't do that. My brain can't do that about almost anybody. And 
I think it's going to be something little. I don't think it's going to be a huge event like a lot of people think it will be. I think one day she's just going to do it. Or maybe one day she's going to be able to kick him out because I think the reality is, is that she can't afford to leave that house anymore. That's why she a big reason that she came back from Tennessee was because she can't afford to pay a mortgage and pay rent. Janelle doesn't have any fucking money anymore. The income has stopped coming in. She has no means to make money anymore. And I don't. So that makes leaving a lot harder and she can't pay for two places. So I don't know. We'll see. You know, it will probably end up with her being at Babs's house for a while, her and all the kids at Barbara's house, or maybe even Doris's house. But I would imagine Barbara's house um, because she won't be able to afford to move out and get another apartment. Oh, another weird thing. Janelle posted this video. I don't know if she posted it to, she's like a website called Janelle's World, but she might have just posted it to her YouTube. I'm not sure where she posted it. And in it, she's like showing the kids doing virtual school. And she says something about Kaiser that's very weird. She says that Kaiser, she was a year behind in kindergarten and then he failed kindergarten. So the way she said it made it sound like Kaiser was doing kindergarten for the third time, <laughs> which is like not correct because Kaiser's only six. He was born in June 2014. This is not Kaiser's third time that he's doing kindergarten. What really happened, I'm 99% sure of this because you guys know I speak Janelle. What really happened is Janelle was trying to not admit that last year they had Kaiser in school in North Carolina. Then she had him in school in Tennessee. We saw those video, those pictures of him getting on the bus in Tennessee. And then when she came back to North Carolina, I can bet she never put him back in school. Kindergarten is not mandatory in most states or a lot of states. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's not mandatory in North Carolina. Also, how would North Carolina really know? She pulled them out and sent them to Tennessee. So Tennessee would have to alert the truancy people in North Carolina. I'm not sure how anybody would ever really find out, to be honest. Um... I think that she just pulled him out of school and he didn't finish school. But I think that Janelle doesn't want to admit that. So so she like makes up this crazy thing trying to explain like that he failed kindergarten, but also that he didn't. And she's just too dumb to realize that actually makes her look worse. Because that's how a lot of Janelle's lies go. Like Janelle is so has such little self-awareness that she's constantly lying, not realizing that she's like making herself look worse. So yeah, I think that's it for the two mom news. Also, if you think Nate Griffith is as horrifying as I do, I highly recommend going to his Instagram page and watching his latest IGTV video. He has an eight minute video up. I watched about three minutes of it and that was all I could take where he decides in his words, he's going to talk about social norms. I posted a clip of this on my Instagram And it actually scares me how he speaks with such authority and he has truly no idea what he's talking about. Um, He goes on an All Lives Matter rant. He says that no educated black people he knows says the N-word. He says that if black people by want to be included in this society because, you know, they're only 16% of society, they need to stop saying the N-word is like Nate's, Nate's, decision on like what will end discrimination against black people is if they stop saying the n-word 
it's really it's really wild and it's also very scary because he's just speaking with such authority and people are in the comments like egging him on and being like you're or gassing him up being like you're so great and yeah it worries me that we're at a place like in time where people with platforms can just get on line and say whatever the fuck they want and nobody questions them so you should go watch that if you want to be upset (laughs) okay let's get into some ask me anything questions shall we let's do it okay the first one is uh, from Sun Air, it says, were Tyler and Kate a couple before Butch and April got together? Yes, absolutely. Tyler and Kate had been together for, like, I say a significant amount of time, but they were, you know, like tweens. <laughs> but I think they had been together a couple of years by the time uh, Butch and April got together. Katie Cordier says, dream job. P.S. Wishing you the best in grad school. Thank you. Um... I don't know. I think I would like to become a licensed clinical social worker and um, maybe go into therapy, but I'm not 100% sure. And that's part of the reason why I'm doing an MSW instead of a degree in counseling, because I want to explore my options. I'm going to see, you know, what's available for my field work and see what I'm drawn to. Who knows? Who knows where I'm going to end up? Uh Crystal, I can't read anybody's name. Chris Steller, 510, says, do you watch 90 Day Fiance? No. Here's the reason why. (laughs) I've tried to watch 90 Day Fiance. There's actually a couple reasons why. (laughs) One, I find TLC shows to be pretty infuriating to watch. I don't find them to be a very enjoyable watch experience because after every commercial, they like replay the last minute (laughs) that was just... Uh, aired and like I feel like a good 15 to 20 percent of all TLC shows are just re-showing stuff we've already seen and that is really really frustrating to me I really can't stand that second there's so many 90 days fiancés it's just it's so much it's too much third I feel like they're on so many days a week I like couldn't keep up with it and then so the one season I did watch was the first season of before the 90 days. I watched most of that and I liked it. But my issue was I didn't like that they were introducing new couples in throughout the season because I was like attached to the people that we first met and then we would barely see them for people that they added on to the show. And I was like, I don't give a fuck about these people. I want to follow the people that we've been following since episode one. Like just put four couples on this show in episode one and let me follow them for the whole season. (laughs) So yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm just not a 90 day fiance person. Um, Simone or Esmon XX says, is Cal on Earth on your list of commissioned episodes? And then she said, wait, wrong podcast. Sorry. I'll include this one because if you want to become a member of my Patreon, my Liz Explains It All podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. The link is in my Instagram bio because Cal on Earth is an episode. I will be recording it. I think I have it down for like three weeks from now. I will be doing a Cal on Earth episode. Um, I On Friday, I put out an episode... <laughs> Probably my one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. I had Kara Berry on from Everyone's Business But Mine. And we just talked about Future and all of the women that he has children with. And it was so light and funny. And Future is such a fucking mess. And it's all so messy that it was just so fun 
Coming up, I have episodes on Intervention Philly. I watched that whole Philly season and I recorded a really, I think, great episode on it. So I'm looking forward to releasing that. I have an episode coming out on multi-level marketing. Uh, This week, I'm recording an episode on like vegan YouTube. So yeah, if you want to come... Oh, and I have a pretty wild episode that I've recorded that is going to be out soon. So if you want to hear all of that, you can pay $5 a month and get... Con- well, first of all, if you pay $5 now, you get access to, I think, 50-ish episodes. I've put out a lot of fucking episodes since March. But you'll get at least one podcast a week of me talking about things that people have asked me to talk about. And I just, I love it. It's really fun for me to do. Okay, we're going to take a five-second break, and then I'll be back. Okay, it kind of cut off the name of this. It's Bonita Heat. I know who you are, but I don't know what your Instagram name is. She says, is your grad program all online? How are you feeling about it? Yes. So my school decided to go all online mid-July, I think. They were the first state school in Pennsylvania, and I think maybe still the only state school in Pennsylvania, like four-year university, that decided to go all online. Um, At first, they had this whole plan to do a hybrid model where – Half of it would be online and half would be in person and we would have to wear masks in class. And yeah, it was like a whole thing. And they decided not to do that. I feel, I don't know. I feel mixed about it. One, I feel really nervous because, well, first of all, I graduated from the school that I'm going to. So I, part of like a little bit of confidence I had about going back to school was that like, I know campus. I know how to park on campus. I'm the building that most of my classes were in is the same building most of my undergrad classes were in. I know the library. Like I know campus. So that made me feel good, right? Like I I don't I'm a person that like feels a lot of anxiety where I'm going somewhere totally new and I don't know anything about it. It I just don't like that out of control feeling. So that getting that taken away was pretty hard. Yeah, it was not it was not great. Um, Also, like, you know, I was in an orientation the other night and the professors were talking about like what a bummer it is that they just had redone this lounge for the MSW students. And like it was such a great place to meet. And they're worried about students like not being able to connect with one another so much over Zoom. And yeah, it sucks. Like it really sucks. I was looking forward to making new friends Um, and making connections and I was like really planning on trying to be very involved like very different from how I did my undergrad and so that really sucks but I think it was the right choice I know it was the right choice and I would much rather be online from the beginning than do what a lot of schools are doing where they start on in in school and now all of these colleges are having to shut down because coronavirus is not solved So it's hard. I have mixed feelings. I did email. I'm taking three classes and I emailed all my professors and just was like, hi, I'm returning to school for the first time in 10 years and I'm really nervous about this. And I'm nervous about um, being able to connect with my professors because what should be surprising to no one is that I'm a class participator. And usually the way that I make connections with professors is that I participate in class and they like me because I, I participate. I like to talk. And they appreciate that usually. And that's how I'm like a memorable student to professors. So I'm not sure how that's going to work on Zoom. And that makes me feel nervous. And also like if we were 
on campus, like after class, I would have spoken to the professor and just been like introducing myself and saying like how, you know, when I just like talking to them about what's going on. And I'm very worried not to have that element of in-person communication with professors. So like I said, I just sent them all an email basically being like, I'm pretty anxious about this. And I just want to make sure that like my line of communication with my professors is open before we even start class. And I got really good responses back. It's social work. So like all the professors in their opening emails are like, I hope you're doing self-care. I eat like stuff like that. And, you know, one of them wrote me back such a nice email that he was like, he was like, it's thank you for sending me such a thoughtful and vulnerable email. I think this is such a great idea what you're doing. And it's made a really good impression on me. Uh, Another one of the professors I actually did my interview with. And so she was like, oh, I'm so glad that you came. And, you know, she actually said something really interesting which she was like I know that returning students are always very anxious about coming back to school but it does give you an advantage in some ways because you thought to email your professors before class and usually like a younger student will not do that which is absolutely true I would never have done that in undergrad especially the first time I tried to do undergrad Um, and she's like plus you have real world experience that maybe some people that are 22 and just coming off their bachelors don't have so that did make me feel good Um, yeah, it's just the unknown is like very nerve wracking, but you know, hopefully it's just going to be, I mean, it's going to be this whole year. Probably. I, I can't imagine a world in which we're back in January. That doesn't seem likely to me, but my program is three years. So hopefully the last two will be on campus. We'll see, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm trying not to let myself freak out about it so much. Okay, Hales2293 says, do you think Lee will have any more kids? Yes, most likely. Um, I think if she meets somebody that wants to have more kids, she'll have more kids. Or if he doesn't really want to have more kids, they'll accidentally have more kids. I think the only reason she didn't have more kids with Jason is because they just weren't together long enough. She also asked, who do you think all the teen moms are voting for? Okay, first and foremost, I think most of the teen moms probably do not vote. 50% of this country does not vote. Um... (laughs) So I would be pretty surprised if a majority of them voted, to be honest. I could maybe see Leah voting and maybe even voting for Biden because West Virginia does have um, a pretty blue streak to it because it's an old union state. Um, I know people think West Virginia is like conservative and redneck, but West Virginia actually has always had a pretty strong Democratic Party democratic base there so it is possible i could see leah voting um i don't think chelsea votes i'd be pretty surprised to find out chelsea votes uh kale has not voted in the past as far as i know she's never made any mention towards voting but if she did she would probably vote for trump because she's a republican kale's a republican um so she would probably vote for trump although she does live in delaware so that may sway her to biden who else is on the show? Brie. Brie may vote. I could see Brie voting. I think she would vote for Biden. Um, Brittany, her sister, definitely votes and definitely is voting for Biden. It has come out because their mom is a Trumper, or at least was. I don't know if she still is. And they've definitely come out and been like, we don't. I At least Brittany has, I think, being like, I don't agree with that. So I could see the Zeus girls voting for Joe Biden. Um, who else is on this show? Amber... 
I can felons vote in Indiana? I think they can. I remember looking this up in 2016. She heavily supported Hillary Clinton, but that was because Matt did. <laughs> so I don't know if she ever even ended up voting. You know what I mean? I think if Amber voted, she would vote vote for Joe Biden. I'd be pretty surprised if Amber went through with voting. Macy probably votes. And I think Macy would vote for Democrat. I think. I don't know. Macy's hard to read with this stuff because she is pretty conservative. She lives in a very red area. But she also wants to be on the board of that, that like, contraceptive, not Planned Parenthood, but, like, the the clinic that gives birth control out. So that, to me, you know, is a liberal streak. (laughs) So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I can see Taylor voting for Trump and Macy voting for Biden. I'd be, it'd be interesting. I think Macy probably does vote. I would assume that she votes, at least in the presidential elections. Farrah will vote for Trump. And Farrah will vote. Farrah votes, you know, <laughs> for better or for worse, Farrah gets her house to the polling places and posts with her sticker. We're going to be very, well, I guess we're not, most of us aren't getting stickers this year um, because we're voting by mail. I'm probably going to vote by mail, but drop my ballot off. Um, I got, I requested a mail and ballot and I'm going to drop it off at my like county election official or wherever they do drop boxes. Um, they were letting people do that for the primary, so I'm just going to do it for the general as well. They're going to let people do that. The thing I'm a little nervous about with voting by mail is that, you know, your signature has to match what's on your voter registration card. And my voter registration card is from when I'm 18 years old. <laughs> and it looks very different than my signature today. However, the good thing is in 2018 when I voted, because that was the first time I voted in Pennsylvania since... When did I move in 2014? So I didn't vote in Pennsylvania in quite a while. I guess probably since I since 2012, I think I hadn't voted in Pennsylvania. And I like went and signed the book and I looked at it and I was like, oh, my that's not like I just signed it. I have like a scribble signature that I do. And I looked at the signature that they had on file and it was me writing out my full name in cursive. And I was like, oh, my God, the signature I just did doesn't match that. Is that okay?" And they're like, yeah, that's fine. So at least I saw it. But then I read something today that was like it might be tied up with your um, your driver's license, which my driver's license has my new signature on it. So I'm a little nervous about that. I'm going to try and get some clarity about that beforehand. Um, I think that is that everybody in the team mom cast. I think most of them just don't vote is the real answer. And I think a lot of them that do probably vote. Mm, I don't know. It's probably 50 50. Like Janelle definitely doesn't vote. Um, somebody asked me my favorite and least favorite of Janelle's boyfriends, but I'm I'm not sure how you can listen to this show and think that I have favorites of Janelle's boyfriends. <laughs> None. The answer is none. (laughs) They're all really bad people. There's no favorite. They're all as bad as each other, basically. I know everybody says David is the worst one yet. I just think they're all worse in the unique way. I mean, Kiefer, Kiefer, like, shot her up with heroin, and she overdosed, and he left her there. Uh, So, like, thank God she didn't die when she was with Kiefer. Nate strangled her. Gary strangled her. Um, (laughs) Cortland was horrendous so I don't know like I don't have a favorite and least favorite at all Kiefer's been getting a lot of revisionist history lately and I just need everybody to remember that Kiefer was like a genuinely bad person 
Um, okay, another question about what I plan on doing with my MSW degree, where it's my ideal job in the field. And as I said, like, I am keeping an open mind. I'm definitely keeping an open mind. Okay, Jana Doobie says, who is the dirtier Dirty Johns, Amber's Matt or Leah's Jason? She also said she really liked the Amber and Matt episode I did last week, to which I say thank you. And this is a good question. So, I, okay. The answer is Jason, but not because I think that Jason is a worse person than Matt. But to be a Dirty John, you have to have a level of... um acceptability to the public and to everybody around you, right? Like, Matt came in and people are like, this guy is weird. He moved in with her right away. Matt was, like, not trusted from the beginning, where Leah's Jason has, like, everyone's like, he has a good job. Like, so I think the answer is Jason, because I think Dirty John means more than just, like, a con man. It means more than just a bad boyfriend. It's, like, this specific type of charming sociopath which <laughs> it's so fucked up of me to be like and that was jason because we know so little about him actually but vibe wise that i got i just think matt is like too flagrant flagrant to be a dirty john okay sugar magnol says are you into astrology if so do you think the typical characteristics of your sign are accurate for you i'm really not i'm a gemini my birthday is may 30th um I'm not really into astrology. Like, I know I'm a Gemini. Some Gemini traits stick with me. I have looked up, like, my whole chart before, but I would have to, like, go into my email and find the email that they sent me with information. Um, Yeah, it's just not really my thing. I don't mind hearing people talk about astrology, and I'm not anti-astrology. It's just not something that I've ever, like, cared to put any effort into learning about. Okay. This one is interesting. Charlie Boots says, do you know Princess and your other guests in person or only via text, Reddit, Twitter, etc.? That's an interesting one. So Princess, yes, I only know through text. Um, You know, one day Princess and I will meet one day. I love, obviously, you guys know I love, love, love Princess, but we live far from each other and far from each other in a way that's like, I don't, I have never even been to Texas. You know what I mean? I mean, I would like to go to Austin. So I can see myself taking a trip to Austin and then getting to meet Princess in person, like on my trip to Austin. But I definitely, she doesn't live somewhere that like I regularly travel to, which is how I've met a lot of my other guests. Um, Like Tomlin, I have met in person in Boston because I was going to Boston we were supposed to have like this whole Philadelphia weekend together because she was coming here for a wedding and that got canceled, of course. That was in April. So hopefully we can redo that. Um, Jesse, who's been on this podcast quite a few times, I've met multiple times because she lives in Portland, which is near Seattle. And last time I was in Seattle, I went to stay with her for a night. Um, Jess, the other girl that's in our group chat, I have met in person multiple times because she lives in New Jersey, so she lives close to me. Who else has been on this podcast? Stas, Fiona, I've met a bunch of them in person, but I don't know if I've had anyone on my podcast that I met in person first. Or like, I don't think I've had any real life friends on. I keep meaning my dear friend KP will have to come on the show one day. I'd like that. And of course, you guys know I would love Julia to come on this podcast, and Julia will never come on this podcast. 
Julia will never do a podcast. Oh, I'm going to like trick her one day. I'm just going to record our whole conversation and then release it as a podcast. The secret talks of Julia and Liz. <laughs> but yeah, almost all of them I met through Twitter and then or Reddit or Facebook. And then we became text friends. And now we a lot of them I have met in real life from traveling and having meetups together but I don't like I wouldn't consider them like my in-person friends because I consider an in-person friend someone that I have like an or I meet not online basically I have an organic relationship with she also asked what your favorite non-reality podcast is this is an interesting question. Um, so I love, what have I been listening to a lot lately? I'm just going to look through my podcast stuff. I really, oh my God, so many podcasts just updated. So I really like Las Culturistas. I've just got into that. I know it's been on forever, but I got into Seek Treatment, Rest in Peace. <laughs> Ugh, I miss it, but also it's like probably for the best I got canceled. Um, and then I found Las Culturistas, which a couple people have told me about, but I like have never listened to and I'm really loving it. They talk about reality TV sometimes, but I wouldn't consider that to be a reality TV podcast. I love How Did This Get Made about movies. Um, sometimes I can only listen to this at certain times, but Where Should We Begin by Esther Perel, who is this world-renowned uh, couples therapist, and she records I mean, with their consent, like actual therapy sessions, and it can be intense as fuck. Reply All, of course, Blank Check Podcast. I really like Blank Check Podcast. Really like. I love listening to people just like nerd out and talk about things that I don't necessarily know a ton about. Um, I find that to be very, very interesting. And especially when it's something that I like enjoy, but I just don't know a ton about. Like, I don't know a ton about movies and like actors and box offices and fit like directors and screenwriters like I would say I know probably maybe a little more than the average person but definitely not a lot about so listening to like film critics discuss it at length and I love a long-form podcast obviously is something that I really like this podcast is no longer but I suggest you go listen to the back catalog of it it's called The Nod it's from Gimlet I think they're doing a show on Quibi now which is why it's not a podcast I don't really understand. Sometimes episodes pop up that are eight minutes long because I guess it's their Quibi show. But it's basically about um, it's very similar to Reply All. But instead of Internet culture, they're just discussing like random things in black culture. Their best episode is an oral history <laughs> of the song Nuck If You Buck. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so, so good. They also have this incredible episode about The Sims ugh, that I love. Bodega Boys, of course. Um, gymnastic, if you're into gymnastics. I've gotten pretty into gymnastics in the last couple years. I always liked gymnastics. I did it when I was a little kid, but not seriously. I always like to watch it at the Olympics. But in the last two-ish years, I've gotten pretty into it. And I have like a... I say I like understand maybe 30% of gymnastics now. Gymnastics is extremely hard to get into. <laughs> if you we're not a gymnast as a child. It is very hard to get into gymnastics because I do not understand whatsoever how I'm supposed to differentiate skills from one another. No fucking idea. But now I like have my favorite gymnasts and I've learned a lot about them and I know about the team competition. Speaking of, you should listen to the 30 for 30 uh, miniseries on Bella and Marta Caroli. Really, really good. Non-reality TV. 
And I like gymnastics now. And if you like gymnastics, you need to be watching Chelsea Memel's YouTube video or YouTube channel. This is almost one of the only things that I care about now is Chelsea Memel's YouTube channel. So Chelsea Memel was a elite gymnast for, I think, almost 10 years. She had a pretty long career. I think from like 2004 to 2012, I believe she went to the Olympics once. She was world champion in 2005. Um, She was always kind of seen as just like a solid gymnast, not maybe not the best gymnast, but like a solid gymnast. So Chelsea retired in 2012. She became a judge so that she stayed connected and her and her father, her father was her coach, own a gym together. Now, in the last couple of years, Chelsea's gotten in incredible shape. She says she's in significantly better shape than she was ever in as a child. Uh, she credits a lot of it to the fact that she eats food now and she knows what food she's supposed to be eating and she like fuels her body and she does a ton of upper arm uh, strength training. You know, the way that gymnastics train is very unique to gymnastics. And Chelsea right now is proving that you can do a more traditional exercise program or more traditional strength training program and still be good at gymnastics. So Chelsea is 32 years old. A couple years ago, she started doing this thing online called like Chelsea's Adult Gymnastics Challenge, basically being like, hey, if you like gymnastics as a kid, like you should find a place to take uh, adult classes, which I actually might do. Um, I like it's something that I've considered, um, you know, when the world changes, if I could find a gym that does adult classes, it's hard because insurance is hard for adult classes. But I would I think I would like to do that. So. She was like, if you can find a gym, like you can do gymnastics even if you're an adult. So she started throwing more and more and more skills. And then she was like, I'm going to start training um, and I'm going to document it on YouTube. And the first eight-ish videos are tough to watch. I would say skip those unless you're really into gymnastics because the audio is terrible, the shooting terrible. There's not really a storyline whatsoever. And it's like literally just watching her like do repetitions of moves. But it's it's interesting. She's doing conditioning. She's doing some things that people didn't know she could do still. Um, then in about episode nine, she gets like a producer and like a real filmmaker to start following her. And now the videos have stories and they're edited very well. And suddenly Chelsea was doing things that were pretty much thought to be impossible by anybody over the age of like 23. And she has officially announced that she's coming back to elite gymnastics at 32, which is truly mind-blowing. Her skills each week are progressing in a way that nobody expected. She is throwing, I mean, this won't mean anything to you if you don't watch gymnastics, but she, the first attempt of an Arabian on the beam, like she landed it and it looked beautiful and she had not done one in eight years. She's throwing DTYs on the vault, like she's working on an Aminar possibly. And it's really, it's so inspiring. It's incredible to watch. It's very interesting to watch if you're into gymnastics because of the way that she handles her training is so different because she is the boss. She owns this gym with her father. Her father is her coach and they've always had a good relationship. And I think she's always been very fortunate with her father as her coach, but still she was on the national team. So she was subjected to the abuse that USGA has perpetrated for the last 50 fucking years um or however long us usag has been a thing united states gymnastics 
So it's very interesting to like hear her talk about her strength. She says she's in better shape now than she ever was as a teen. And many of the moves she's doing, she feels better doing now than she ever did, which is so interesting. And also like sometimes her dad will tell her to do something. And she's like, I need a minute. I'm scared. She's like, it's okay to be scared that I'm doing this, which like a 14 year old um, in Bella and Marta's gym would not be allowed to say they're scared. So yeah, I nobody literally this was not a question that anybody asked. And I just spent 10 minutes talking about Chelsea Memel. So I, I can't express like how much I care about this versus how little I care about most other things right now. <laughs> Okay, another podcast I love is Scientology Fair Game. Guys, if you're not listening to Leah Remini and Mike Rinder's new podcast, get on it. It's so fucking good. The I loved their show. I love Leah's audiobook. Love, 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 love Leah's audiobook. I thought their show on A&E was great, but obviously it was a very structured show. And the looseness they have on this podcast is really interesting. And also just the relationship between Mike and Leah is really beautiful. I mean, in one of the episodes, Mike is literally crying uh, because they had talked to this older woman. He was like, I wish you were my kid's grandma. And then at the end, he was like, you know, I really meant that. And he started crying because he doesn't have family really anymore. He has his wife and newer children, but he has adult children he doesn't talk to. And Leah was so nice about it. And then in one of the episodes they had on this guy that was a reporter that Mike had harassed because Mike Rinder was like the head of fair game in Scientology. And the guy said, Mike, I forgive you. The work that you're doing now makes up for everything that you did. And Leah interrupts him and she's like, Mike, did you hear that? Did you hear that, Mike? Because she knows that Mike has so much guilt. And just their friendship is really really beautiful. I love it. I love their friendship. And I think that's it for podcasts. <laughs> I love podcasts. That's why I have a podcast, because I love them. Speaking of, this question by Haylaw says, how did you get into podcasting? So, kind of as a fluke. So, I listened to Sex Unique Podcast. Well, at the time, it was Pumped Podcast about Vanderpump Rules. It was one of the first podcasts I found when I got pretty into podcasts in 2014. Now, I had been listening to podcasts for much longer than that. I just didn't really understand what they were. Like, I used to download the Savage Lovecast on iTunes and put it on my iPod and listen to it on my iPod. So I did listen to some uh, podcasts, but not the way that I do now. So when I got, you know, an iPhone and I had the podcast, like I got my, I mean, my iPhone was like my first smart I had a BlackBerry, but it was like my first smartphone that could have podcasts on it, right? And so this was one of the first ones that I found, and I heard Molly Mackley or Malls on it, and I actually, I thought she was really funny, and the reason I like sought her out is because she said her dog's name was Wagon Stuff, and I said, what the fuck is that dog's name? Like, I didn't, un- like, I remember like rewinding it, trying to understand what her dog's name was, so I went and sought her out on Twitter so I could like figure out what her dog's name was. And then I started following her on Snapchat, and we would Snapchat about the show 60 Days In A Lot, and this is when she had started Emotionally Broken Psychos, so I would call up and just, like, leave voicemails for her, and she would play them and respond to them. Then I was on the show, and we had a really great episode where we talked about addiction, and then Molly's mom at the time happened to spend part of her year in Florida, very close to where I was living, so she was coming for Thanksgiving, so we had a meetup. And this is where we, like, came up with the idea for a Team Mom podcast, and I just started doing it. I mean, that was 
you know, November 2016. And then by January 2017, I started my podcast. Um, Yeah, that's how I got into podcasting. It was kind of on a whim, but I don't think I would have done it if I hadn't been part of like Molly's group of podcasts because I didn't I didn't really have to do anything as far as like obviously I record and edit all of my stuff and I always have edited my own podcast. I taught myself how to edit. The first like six weeks of editing was so hard. It was so hard. But then I figured it all out. And I like I didn't have to figure out iTunes. I didn't have to figure out Spotify. I didn't have to really figure out like promoting myself because I was, you know, like being brought into Molly's platform. So yeah, that's how I got into podcasting. And I'm really grateful for podcasting. And I love podcasting. And it's Having my Patreon has been such a rewarding and incredible experience because I've not made a lot of money off of this podcast. I do ads, right? So I I make money. I get a small pay per episode. It's very small, but I I make money on this. And I had like I had always whenever people would be like you're a loser to me on Reddit, I'd be like, well, you're a loser too. But at least I've monetized my team mom interest. <laughs> so I was making money, but like nothing significant, right? Like. Nothing to sneeze or like nothing to even like really consider. I would get some free products when I did ads like that was cool. And when I decided to do my Patreon, when I got furloughed, um, just the response to it has been like really incredible. Um, I feel so grateful that I spent three over three years building my audience so that when I did launch my launch my Patreon, it could become you know, what it is. I have over, I think I have 715 patrons right now, which is like, it just blows my mind. It's so crazy. Um, I'm using my Patreon money to pay for school. I paid for my first semester out of pocket from Patreon money. Don't worry, I put away 33% every month <laughs> for po- for taxes. I, I don't even, 33% goes away immediately. And I'm actually, I'm sending my dad every quarter. <laughs> I'm having him be my escrow agent, essentially. I'm sending him a check with my tax money so that, like, I can't even touch it. But it's really, like, I don't know. It's been to, I feel like my hard work has really paid off. I always felt like it did because of the connection that I have with so many listeners and, like, how rewarding it is when people message me and say, like, I stopped drinking because, like, you made me realize I had a drinking problem. I don't, I would never take credit for somebody getting sober, but if, I can plant a seed in somebody's head that makes them reevaluate um, how they're drinking, what they're using, or like what their relationship is like. Because I get a lot of ones that, you know, somebody sent me this message that was like, I, I didn't realize that like I was in an abusive relationship. And then you started explaining things that were an abusive relationship. And like, I realized that was my life and I've left him. And like, that is so rewarding and worth doing this podcast and just like making friends through it and just having listeners is great. And I did that for three years and I was so satisfied with that. But now that I like am making money off of podcasting, like real money off of podcasting, it's pretty crazy. Like, Part of me is like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't do this two years ago. I've, like, left so much money on the table. Like, I'm always talking about Chelsea that she leaves money on the table. And I was, when Princess's Patreon was only a dollar, I was like, bitch, you are leaving money on the table. But in a way, I actually think 
I'm I'm glad. I'm really glad that I started the Patreon when I did because I think that I already had like a decent amount of uh, listeners that like trusted me and were willing to give me money to listen to my content. And yeah, I I know that this wasn't about my Patreon, but I just wanted to talk about like how grateful I am for all of my listeners and what an incredible platform Feathers My Hair has been. And just like the connection that I've made with so many listeners and the fact that people just like listen to me talk about myself and Teen Mom is really, really rewarding. You know, it's really rewarding. And the fact that I've done this for over three and a half years now is, I don't know how long I thought this podcast would last. My producer, Nicole, did text me the other day and she said, can you believe that you had enough content, you have enough content for like three and a half years at Teen Mom? Like when you started the podcast, did you imagine it going for three and a half years? And I was like, yeah, honestly, I kind of did because I'd already been following Teen Mom for like eight years at that point and I knew I was in it for the long run, but yeah, I, this is a ramble, but I just feel so grateful for like everybody that I've been able to maybe plant a seed in, anybody that I made laugh, anybody that I have brought comfort to or has just like enjoyed me talking has been a real reward. And then so now getting to monetize it feels it feels fucking good. It just feels good. Like that's what it comes down to. Like it just feels good. Like my three years. I did over three years making very little money on this. It was purely a hobby. You know what I mean? Like it was not enough money to call it a side gig. And now it is a side gig. Um, It's my second job now. And that is, I mean, it's awesome. It's fucking awesome. So thank you. Thank you to everybody that listens to Feathers My Hair. Thank you so much. If you're a patron, thank you times two. If you're not, I totally fucking get it. (laughs) I totally get it. I listen to a ton of podcasts that I don't subscribe to their Patreon. I would never have hard feelings about someone not subscribing to my Patreon. And I guess what I'm saying is like without you listening to Feathers in My Hair, it wouldn't even be possible for anybody to reach my Patreon. So I'm so grateful for Feathers in My Hair and this platform and what it has given me. And you know, it's worth every negative comment I've ever gotten. It's worth the hate that I sometimes get, although I've gotten really good at not reading any of it. Um, but it's worth it. It's really worth it. Okay. Uh, Larku says, can we follow you on Goodreads? You always have great memoir recs. Uh, you would be able to, except that I don't... Well, actually, last year, I did keep track of all the books I read because I wanted to count how many books I read last year. And I think it was something like 28. Um, maybe it was more, maybe it was less. But I it was over 20, I think. So last year, I did keep track of it, but I'm not... I. I'm just not good at like, I'm not good at things like Goodreads and keeping track. I think my username on there is Bentley5589, I would guess, because I made the Goodreads account so long ago, and that was my AIM, uh, my AIM account, my AIM name, my instant messenger name. Is that what we would say? Yeah, it was my instant messenger name. So Bentley5589. There's some random ass books on there, but you can follow that. And I don't even know if it's public, to be honest. Okay, Hales2293 says, this. I wanted to answer this one. Do you ever want to get married or move out? Okay, I want to clarify. I'm not sure if everybody realizes this, that I lived on my own from when I was 18 to 30, except for maybe six months. Uh, I lived with my dad for like eight months in there. But essentially, since I was 18, I have lived on my own, including four years in Florida, very far away from all of my family. 
I, it's not like I've always lived at home. And basically I was moving back from Florida and I was like, well, I'll just move to my mom's and then like, I'll get a job and then I'll move out. Like that was my plan, except I have found it really enjoyable to live here. I get along really, really well with my mom and my stepdad. Um, They really respect my privacy and my boundaries and I respect theirs. And we've had very few conflicts and very few fights. And I, you know, I don't make that much money like I'm an I'm an admin so I wouldn't really be able to afford well for the last year and a half I wouldn't be able to afford having like a one bedroom to myself because one bedrooms around me are like $1,500 now a month and I would have to get a roommate right which like of course like there's no problem with having a roommate I've had roommates for the last 12 years um but For me, there's nobody up here that I want to live with because most of my friends up here are like married and have houses or they already have roommates. You know what I mean? So I would have to get like a stranger roommate or like meet a roommate off of Craigslist or like a friend of a friend of a friend. And for me, I don't really see the value in doing that Um, because I'm comfortable here. I'm saving money here. I like it here. My mom loves having me here. She really is happy that I'm here. So I don't really see the issue with being here. And like, I don't really like, I don't really understand why I would give away like a quarter or more of my paycheck to like live with people I don't know. And it could possibly be a worse situation than here. Um, because I'm giving like, I'm, I mean, I'm treated as an adult here. You know what I mean? Like I am an adult and I'm treated that way, which is why I don't mind living here. So do I want to move out? Like, yeah, but now I'm going to grad school. So why would I move out? I can pay out of pocket for grad school because I don't have to pay rent. Um, so in the do you want to get married thing? Okay. Yes, I would like to get married. I would like to be in a relationship. But it's hard to meet people when you don't like online dating. And that's just the reality. I hate online dating. I think as a sober person, online dating is very hard. Having to meet up with strangers sober is very fucking hard. It's very, very, very hard to have a first date that does not have alcohol when it's somebody that you don't know. I've had, you know, I've done it. I've had some bad dates on it. Maybe I'll do it again when the pandemic is over, you know. Um, I will say that living at home, like, does make online dating a little weird because people ask where I live and then it's like, do I tell them I live with my parents? But I don't live here because I'm like a loser that has to live here. I live here by choice. But yeah, I would I would love to get married and have a relationship, but I would rather be single and happy on my own than like throw myself into something just because I feel like I need to. So yeah, if I meet someone, that would be really great, but I'm also pretty okay with being single and being alone. And I don't, I don't know, I just don't like online dating. And if you don't go to bars and you don't online date, like, it's hard to meet people. It just is. So, you know, we'll see. Who knows? I always think about my boss in Florida um, met his wife when they were 35. And within two years, they were married and had their first kid already. And they're like such a great couple. And so whenever I'm like feeling down on it, it's like, it's, it's okay. You know what I mean? If it happens, it happens. Like, would I like to have kids? 
sure. But also, like, I don't think my life will be incomplete if I don't have kids. I think that's probably a big reason why I don't feel, like, so driven to get this done. I, If I had money, I would probably freeze my eggs. But I, it's so fucking expensive to freeze your eggs. Like, if somebody paid for me to freeze my eggs, I probably would. But I... And I... I would like kids. I would like to be married and I would like to have kids, but I don't feel like it's a priority in my life. Um, and so I'm not like putting a ton of effort into making it happen. Um, and I think to, I think for me to meet somebody like the type of life I live now where I work in a very small office, so I don't meet people at work. Um, I mean, I meet people at AA, but like, I don't know, not like a ton of guys. Um, so I don't, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I would have to be putting a lot of effort online to do that. And I'm just not sure that I want to or that I'm willing to do that. Um, Aaron Duffy says, the teen moms are 50 or older. What do their lives look like? I think a lot of them will look pretty similar to the way they do now, to be honest. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Kate and Tyler? with that tax lien but like let's pretend that tax lien doesn't exist i think they'll be like career reality television people i think janelle's life will be a mess i think chelsea's life will be like very normal suburban housewife um i think leah's will probably be very similar to her now i really do think a lot of these people are probably going to be very similar to now will some of them go broke yeah absolutely of course Okay, Hales2293 also says, thoughts on young and pregnant coming back and what's in the future for those girls? I mean, it's devastating to me. I'm so, I'm really upset. Like, I I really want to see what's going on with Ashley and Barr. They're so crazy on Instagram and I want to see it on my TV. Just give Ashley and Barr a show, honestly. The Beavers, like, I cannot believe that they canceled this fucking show. I cannot believe it. It makes, it just makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me. I'm so upset about it. That's the answer. I'm devastated. Okay. Hey, it's Sharp Hey says, would you ever consider fostering children or adoption? So this is another thing that I've thought about. Um, yeah, absolutely. Maybe if I don't meet anybody and I don't have kids in my 40s, like I would definitely consider fostering or adoption. Um, Princess has been like the most incredible view into the world of fostering that I had very, very little experience with in my entire life. I didn't really, I never, I never knew anybody that was in foster care. I mean, I come from an upper upper middle class background. Like foster care is not a thing in our demographics. Like I don't, the saddest thing about foster care is that rich people don't do it. You know what I mean? Like at least for the evangelical Christians, like I see them on YouTube or like really religious people, sure, those rich people do but for the most part rich people do not let children that need help come into their homes so I didn't know anybody growing up that was in foster care or that did foster care um I knew I had friends that were adopted and actually one of the private schools I went to for kids with learning disabilities like almost all of my friends were adopted I don't know what that says about learning disabilities and adoption but like a significant portion of that school is adopted um so I had never really known about it, and I could see myself fostering one child at a time. Um, so yeah, maybe one day, like I would definitely be open to that if it's if I don't have kids or I do get married, but we don't have kids. Like, yeah, for sure, I think that would be really 
great to be able to do. I don't have rose-colored glasses on about it. It would be hard. And I really hate when people are like, I'm just going to adopt one day, I think. Or like, maybe we'll foster people. Like, who, I just, it's not something that I want to do because like, I think that it will be like fun or easy. But I think that if this is the way that my life shapes out, I think that I could, you know, be a good like resource to helping at least one child. Um, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I would, I would really like to do that if that's the way that my life pans out. I don't see myself ever trying to adopt a newborn baby. Um, or an international adoption. I don't I don't see that in the cards. I don't I'm not really I don't think I would be interested in that. I don't I can't imagine going through that emotionally, like how hard it is and the amount of money that you have to pay and the amount of like waiting that you have to do. I don't think I would ever do like private infant adoption, but foster care to adoption, I can see I could realistically see. But also like maybe I'll Maybe I would get one foster kid and be like, I fucking hate this. And then, and then it, like, once they go back or leave, it's like, I never do it again. So, yeah. Aqualicious, who, by the way, Aqualicious and I were in the DMs last night. And if you guys <laughs> have not seen Summer Walker, who is, uh, like, a famous singer. I've actually never listened to her music, but I think she's an R&B singer. And she's had, she's gotten really big in, like, the last year and a half. But she's, like, messy as fuck and, like, a QAnoner at this point and, like, an anti-vaxxer. And she says crazy shit all of the time. Like, racist shit, homophobic shit. Like, she's not a good person. But last week, she, she was, she decided that she was going to, she has no children. She's young. That she decided she was going to get on Instagram and tell people that they shouldn't give their babies formula. And instead, they should only give their children water and fruit. Now, people were like, um, first of all, babies can't have water or fruit. Like, babies have to drink breast milk or formula. <laughs> so one, that was crazy stupid. But then Summer took it a step further and posted... Her idea of how you feed a baby for like $12 a week or something or $12 a month. And her meal plan was for breakfast, you would have two pears, for lunch, one apple, and for dinner, three peas. <laughs> and it's so stupid and so funny. And all week, I've just been thinking about one apple, 75 cents, because she listed out the prices to like justify how cheap she could feed these children. It's so funny. It's so funny. And I've just been laughing to myself for a full week about one apple equals 75 cents. So Aqualicious and I were cracking up last night talking about this. Like we both think it is the funniest thing in the world. Like, honestly, it. As far as like organic laughs that I've had recently, like this has been the hardiest for like a full week. I keep laughing at it. So please do yourself a favor and go read about what Summer Walker recommends. <laughs> okay, she said, what's your favorite fast food order? I mean, that depends on where I am. You know, like I have an order for everywhere. So this, let me just go through it. If I'm at McDonald's, my favorite fast food order is definitely to get the chicken nuggets, fries, ranch dressing, and a Diet Coke and a milkshake. This is why I'm overweight, guys. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> 
But sometimes I like a quarter pounder with cheese. Now, I am not a hamburger person, really. I actually didn't eat hamburgers until I was like an adult. Uh, I was a very picky eater as a child. And there are things that I just decided I would not eat and did not like. And hamburgers was one of them. So I only ate hot dogs. <laughs> um, but now I... I don't, and as an adult, like, I would never order a hamburger at a restaurant. Um, like, I eat them at barbecues. They're fine. But, like, I don't really, like, I would never order, like, a fancy hamburger. Right? But sometimes for McDonald's, that fucking quarter pounder with cheese, I get that sometimes. Okay, so at Taco Bell, I just like three soft tacos with just cheese and sour cream. Yum, 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 yum. Love that. Um... Yeah, so that's, like, those are the two fast food places that I go to the most, I would say. Taco Bell and McDonald's. I mean, like, is Chipotle fast food? Because at Chipotle, I usually get a bowl um, with steak and rice and sour cream and cheese and uh, the veggies. So, yeah, I think those are my favorite fast food orders. But it really, like, depends on where I'm going. I'm definitely a person that has, like, I'm, I'm, I mean, is every, I think everybody's like this. I'm like acting like I'm so unique. I have terminal uniqueness, but I'm definitely a person that like finds something I really like at certain places and then go to that place specifically for it. Like there's this like place near me called, um, Simply Greek. I think they're a chain because they're hopefully opening one like five minutes from my house, but it was supposed to open in like April. So, you know, you know how that goes. There's one by my work, and it's basically, like, Greek-style Chipotle. You know what I mean? Like, where it's all made, like, they make it for you down the line. It's just copying Chipotle, right? All of these restaurants that are doing this, or, like, places that are doing this. And, like, I love a pita wrap from there. So, like, that's what I get from there every single time. (laughs) I had one on Thursday. It was so fucking good. Thank you for listening to that and caring about that. Um, Okay, so Queen Maddie K says, do you watch Welcome to Platform? better worse than the Duggars so I just started watching it um I watched like eight episodes and then I haven't watched more but I'm going to watch more I think I mean that's my plan uh I think it's really good and interesting and I was really surprised by it because I thought it was very like I thought it was going to be like the Bates or the Duggars right like full fundy Christian like full control over their children then I realized one is married to someone they hate one the girls are allowed to wear pants, like, one's allowed to model. Uh, I just didn't realize, like, how... And at first I was like, are the parents actually nice? Because <laughs> because I was so thrown by them not being, like, the Duggars. So do I think they're better or worse than the Duggars? I mean, I think they're better than the Duggars, what I've seen of it so far. I think they're better than the Duggars because at least their kids um, fit into the world a bit. You know, at least their kids, like, have more worldly understanding than the Duggars do. She also asked, do you follow any Taylor Nicole Dean YouTube drama? If so, thoughts? Kind of. So I never really follow Taylor. Like, I got into YouTube pretty late. So I wasn't really on YouTube at, like, the height of Taylor Nicole Dean. I started following her in her drama when she, like, got accused of, like, killing a ton of pets and then I was, like, following all this the drama she had with her ex-boyfriend. And then I, like, watched all of the heroin videos and, like, all of that stuff. And the Reply All episode about her. So do I follow the Taylor, Taylor Nicole Dean drama? Yeah. I actually haven't checked on her in quite a while. My thoughts on it are it's very sad. 
Um, she makes me really sad. I can't, you know, the fact that she was dating this like hyper abusive guy when she was so young, he was so much older than her. He's still getting away with abusing girls. Uh, he got her hooked on heroin. It's really, it's really sad. Uh, last time I watched a video of her, she was sober and going to IOP. So based on that, I have no idea. She could be relapsed right now and everybody else knows but me. Based on that, I was really proud of her. I thought it was great how open and honest she was being on her channel. But it also made me sad that like she couldn't recover in private because there was so much speculation about what was going on with her that she like had to come online and be like, I'm a heroin addict. And I think that is the downfall of YouTube, right? Like you can't, once you're on YouTube and you're a, pro, you're a public person, like it's very hard to just disappear. Like you, your fans demand answers and I will say I think in a way they're entitled to them because I think if you're monetizing your personal life um, and then people like something happens and you don't share it and people are mad about it. I think like I get why fans get mad about that because it's like I'm make I'm giving you money. Essentially, I'm helping you make money by watching all of this. So the least you can do is come address this thing that happened. Like that makes me sad it's really probably really hard to deal with that. Like, I could just stop podcasting and, like, I would, like, put up a message that's, like, I'm not doing podcasts anymore. I love you all. And, like, I would get a ton of messages, but that would be it. And everybody would forget about me within, you know, six months. Like, I am not famous at all. And I'm also, I'm not a public person. Like, I talk about my personal life on this podcast and I am personal and this whole episode is about my personal life and I'm very open and honest. But also, for the most part, like, my listeners actually know very little about my day-to-day life. Um, I'm sure people feel like they know a lot about my day-to-day life, but I actually share very little about most of my friends, most of my family, like my job. You guys know I don't talk about almost anything that I do at work. Um, So like I feel like I could kind of just disappear if I needed to. I share what I want to share and it's very open and honest, but also I'm quite selective. And I have that ability to do that because I I create content in a form that's not just based on me. So I think when your content is only based on yourself, um, you have to share a lot of yourself with the world, even when you don't want to. And that probably sucks and is really, really hard. Okay, Danielle Parent says, last book that you loved reading. Um, let me look. <laughs> I haven't been reading that much this year. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, and when I was walking a lot, I couldn't even, like, even when I was walking a lot, when I was furloughed and I was walking so much, like, I don't know. I've had a, I've had trouble with books this year. Um, I will say that The Air Affair, which was the sequel to The Royal We, was just okay. Um, the last book that I really loved, okay, so I've gotten really into Ellen Hibberbrand, Hilderbrand, Ellen Hildebrand. Something to know about me is like most of the books that I read are actually trash. I love I love chiclet. I love beach reads. My favorite books are historical fiction books about like rich people in England in 1920. I love that shit. I love trash. Um, and Ellen Hildebrand is the queen of the beach read. And she put out this series Uh, that takes place in the winter. This is her second winter series, actually. And it's a trilogy. And I thought all three books were out. And I listened to those two books like in a week, like back to back. I love them. I went to get the third one and it's not out till October. And I was so fucking mad. (laughs) 
because I would have waited to read them. I was so mad. But that was the last book that I really loved. The Ellen Hildebrand Winter in Paradise, I think, is what the series is. I think the first one is called Winter in Paradise. The second one is What Happens in Paradise. Um, Yeah, that was the last book I really loved. So if you like Ellen Hildebrand, you should read it. She also had a new book this summer called 28 Summers, which I read. And I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I didn't think it was her best that I've read, but I thought it was pretty good. Her book last year, Summer of 69, was much better. Um, I recently re-listened to the book Bluff by Michael Cardos, which is a book that I downloaded because it was an Audible Daily Deal for $2.99. And I've listened to it twice now. It's about a magician and robbery, and it's actually really good. Um, If you like the type of shit that I like, you'll really like that. I re-listened to Leah Remini's book not that long ago because I just love that book. I love, love, love it. And then the rest of what I listened to has just essentially been um, my favorite series. <laughs> Her Royal Spiness by Reese Bowen and also uh, Molly Murphy's Mystery Series by Reese Bowen. I just listened to those over and over again. Um, Her Royal Sp- Spiness is like the Georgie books. I probably listened to most of them four or five times. Um, This is the type of person that I am. I don't know if people realize that, that listen to this podcast, that I am a person that re-consumes the same content over and over again. I think it has to do with um, my anxiety and like ADD and depression. I think what helps is like there's a comfort in me knowing about it and I find it very comfortable to just listen to the same things a lot. Not so much with podcast episodes for whatever reason, but books and like TV shows. Um, I fall asleep almost every single night to Law & Order SVU, sometimes also regular Law & Order, which I have all the seasons on a hard drive. Um, and then when I get really bored of that, I watch which is weird because it's like, why do I get bored of it? Like, I'm falling asleep to it. But sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't watch this anymore. And so I watch The Good Wife. <laughs> right now I'm in my, like, biannual, like, twice a year I rewatch The Good Wife, but really only until, like, season three because then I remember how much I hate The Good Wife after Kalinda and Alicia stop being friends. Because <laughs> that show was about Kalinda and Alicia. <laughs> that was the point of that show. That was the heart of that show. And I just started season two, and I'm, like, getting sad because I know, like, my watching is going to come to an end. So I'm somebody that just, like, reconsumes the same shit over and over and over again. I think there are probably a lot of people that do that. Um, okay, so uh, describe the current state of the T-Mom subreddit in three words. Really fucking boring, honestly. Really fucking boring. Oh, Danielle Perrin also asked, first concert you ever went to? My first concert I ever went to was the Britney Spears Baby One More Time tour at Hershey Park. We did not go to the one in Philadelphia because it was the night before school started. And I was going to a new school that day year because I think this was when I was going into sixth grade and I threw such a tantrum that we would not be able to go to that concert that my mom took us all the way to Hershey which is like an hour and a half an hour away but still inconvenient and we spent the night there um (laughs) Molly Liz 7 says if you have to go on a date with Javi or Nathan who do you choose? Javi there's no competition Javi's an asshole. He's a cheater, but he's not going to kill you. Like, Nate will kill you. Nate's going to stalk you. You're going to have to get a restraining order against Nate. Javi's just like an asshole that cheats. Like, Javi, all day. Javi, all day. 
Okay, Casey Atkins wants to know, has quarantine impacted your sobriety journey? Triggered more or less uh, by this time? I don't know if, like, people find this will find this believable, but it actually hasn't triggered my, like, impacted my sobriety at all. At all. I've not been negatively impacted at all by quarantine and my sobriety. I, I don't know. Like, I... I'm an ex-problem drinker. I'm an ex-drug addict. I know this idea of, like, we're recovering forever. And every alcoholic only says they're recovering. They never say they're recovered. You see people saying that all the time, including people that are alcoholics and addicts. Um, I pretty much consider myself recovered. (laughs) I practice the 12 steps and the principles of the 12 steps, which is how I'm able to stay spiritually fit, which is how I'm able to stay recovered. I do believe that if I was to start using again, I would then still have that same addiction problem. So I'm recovered in the sense that like, I don't really think about drugs and alcohol. Um, My sobriety, I don't ever really feel like I am close to a drink or a drug. I just don't. Like they're not... It just doesn't seem like an option. And I, I think that sounds cocky when I say that, but it's just my truth. And I'm really, it's really amazing. And I'm really grateful for it. And the fact that I can be here is really incredible. As, you know, the big books of Alcoholics Anonymous says, I've been recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. And that is absolutely true for me. I'm, I'm a free person. I mean, in the book, it says a free man. But, like, I am a free man. I can do anything or go anywhere in this world because I'm spiritually fit. And, like, I really, truly believe that. And I'm not saying that I'm always going to feel this way. And, like, there absolutely could be something that makes me want to, like, use, right? A hundred percent. I'd be crazy. And there are times, like, if I'm around someone that's smoking weed and, like, it will cross my head. Like, should I smoke that? And I'm like, no. It never is more than a passing thought for me. It's never an obsession. I will say the only time that I really wanted to use was um, the night that Donald Trump got elected. That, like, really flipped me out. And I didn't know how to deal with that feeling. But since then, like, I don't, I don't know. I feel fine most of the time. It just doesn't feel, like, that doesn't feel like my problem anymore. Drugs and alcohol. It just doesn't. Like, it I know for some, like, you see some people, okay, I recently was reading an Oh No, They Didn't post, and the person that, um, okay, my mom has started vacuuming in the laundry room right next to me, even though I'm pretty sure she can hear that I'm recording this podcast, which is a little frustrating, (laughs) as I just said how much I love living with my mom. I do. Um, She just finished, so sorry if you heard that in the background. Okay, so I was reading an Oh No, They Didn't post about Demi Lovato, and Demi Lovato, on her two-year anniversary, here it is again had said that she was, um, she like was recovered from all her demons. And so many non-drug addicts and drug addicts and alcoholics alike in that post were like, that's impossible. If she believes that, she's going to relapse. Somebody said that they were 13 years sober and still think about Coke every single day. And I was like, I truly cannot relate with this. I did not get sober to think about drugs and alcohol all the time. I got sober to feel how I do now. This is why I'm sober. If I every day was thinking about using, I think I would just use. I don't see the point in, well, that's not true. I was going to say I don't see the point of being sober and miserable, but like, obviously I always see the point of being sober, but, and I understand that it is different for everyone and I'm not, that sounds judgmental and I understand that's people's realities, um, that they 
you know, they have a million years recovered and they still think about it all of the time. But that's just not my experience. I really, I'm recovered, at least as of now. So quarantine has been whatever. (laughs) You know, it's like I already don't drink. I already don't do drugs. So it's like, it's not like I had to like worry about giving it up. And I don't know. I don't know. That's that's the true answer on that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Vanessa Graves says, how is the transition going from quarantine back to work for you? I want to say it was physically painful. It was so fucking hard. <laughs> First of all, I was getting that extra $600 a week on unemployment. So I was actually via unemployment making more than I made at work. And I was like... The podcast money had really, like, the Patreon money had really kicked in. So I was actually doing very well during being furloughed. Um, I would sleep till 9.30 every day. I would walk for two hours every day. Like, then I would do my podcast. I was putting out four podcast episodes a week on the Patreon. Like, I loved being furloughed. After that initial just, like, complete panic that I had when it first happened, once I, like, got into my groove, it was it was incredible. It was the best. I fucking loved it. Um, and going back to work literally hurt my entire body. Um, I had, <laughs> I went to Target and got a floor lamp for my office. And my boss is like, that looks good. But why did you get that? And I was like, the the fluorescent lights are really hurting me. I had a headache like every day at work. And I always just assumed it was my allergies. And then I like didn't have a headache the whole time that I was not working. And then as soon as I went back to work, I got a headache again. And so that really sucked. Like suddenly I had headaches. I was so tired. It was it was hard. It was hard as shit. It was really hard to be off work for three months and then go back to it. Really hard. And I'm obviously very grateful to have a job and I am grateful to be back. And I will say, even though, I mean, I would be fine because I'd be making Patreon money plus unemployment, even though without the $600 a week, it would obviously be less than I was making there, but I would be okay if I didn't have a job. Um, That would, you know, it would be fine. I would be fine, but I think in the end, it's good for me to be going to work because like, I'm an adult. I have to go to work. (laughs) I have to work, but it was really, really, really hard. Um, Okay. Bailey is at home. We all are. Uh, asked, you've talked a bit about your former life as a hater, hatter. Um, can you talk about your relationship with the internet now and how you keep it healthy? Um, I would say that it's not that healthy. I'm like completely addicted to the internet to a point that is obscene. I'm online all day, every day. Um, so that's not healthy at all. Uh, I always am like, please never send me anything because I guarantee you I have seen it before you. And I don't just mean about Teen Mom. I mean about almost everything. Um, I have seen it. So I am truly addicted to the internet. So that's not good, right? That's not good. As far as like trolling and fighting, uh, especially on Twitter, I was just really miserable then. It was like easy to get it out. I still do like to fight, like debate, (laughs) debate on Reddit and like get into like leave comments and state my opinions and go back and forth with people. But it's not cruel the way that I it was. I used to be very cruel um, on Twitter to people and to the cast members of Teen Mom. And I think that's because I just fucking hated myself and hated my life. And it was like the only outlet that I had to get out um, because I couldn't like leave my abusive boyfriend. So I just like was horrific to Janelle on Twitter. 
Okay, the Good Book Club says, what do you think of the name Judah for a baby boy? Our parents look at us like we've gone mad. I love the name Judah. Judah's a great name. Reminds me of the show Weeds, but I really, I think Judah's a great name. Would you rather have this mom, Farrah, or Janelle? I guess Janelle. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess Farrah when David's in the picture, but it's a real Sophie's choice. Okay, I think the last one I'm going to answer, somebody did ask me what it was like to grow up Jewish, and they said, like, sorry if this is too personal, and I want to acknowledge it's not too personal. It's totally fine to ask me that question. Um, it just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, like, it's like a whole thing. If you want to know what it's like to grow up Jewish or be Jewish, you should subscribe to my Patreon and listen to me and my best friend Thea, which getting to have her on the podcast because she does not watch reality TV at all, so she can never come on here. Getting to have her on the podcast was, is like the highlight of having my Patreon, and we did an episode on the show Unorthodox. Um, and we didn't recap it, but she is Orthodox Jewish, but we grew up Reformed Jewish together. I mean, I grew up... It's hard. So my dad is Christian and my mom is Jewish, but my mom doesn't like Judaism and isn't Jewish anymore. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Um, so I grew up with no religion in our home. Um, for the most part, we celebrated most Christian holidays. Uh, we did, well, like we celebrated Christmas and Easter. Those are the Christian holidays, right? And we would like do Hanukkah sometimes. Um, we didn't really do Passover. I had really no religion in my home. I started going to Hebrew school in like second grade because my friends were going and I wanted to go too. And then it was hard. So I quit. Um, and I didn't get a bat mitzvah. So I really didn't grow up with like a very strong Jewish identity until I was in high school and I joined a Jewish youth group, which is when I really felt a connection with Judaism and started doing more holidays and that type of stuff. And yeah, so I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if my answer is like the best because I grew up in a mixed faith house that was most secular for the most part. But if you want to hear about me and Thea talking about it, you should listen because I think we actually had a very interesting conversation about what it's like to be Jewish in America, especially Orthodox Jewish. Um, Okay. And, oh, well, somebody said, would you be able to talk about how ADD affects your life and how you manage it? Sorry if it's too personal. That's not too personal. Um, so part of it, I feel like I've said this a lot today. It's like hard to explain, but it is because I obviously have had ADD my whole life. I was diagnosed when I was eight years old. I've had learning disabilities my whole life and it just affects me in every way. I mean, in it, it is like part of my DNA. It really, really affects my life. It is really hard for me to concentrate on stuff. I am impulsive. I am reactionary. I I manage it by, I mean, so now I'm on Wellbutrin, which is helping managing it. And I went on that, but it it's not helping like Adderall did. Um, so it's just hard. I don't know. I, I struggle a lot. Like I struggle a lot in my life because of it. Um, I wish I had a solution like that was great, but I, I use a lot of the tools that I learned going to schools for kids with learning disabilities. Um, I like those study skills, like this school, like taught me how to organize and taught me how to study. So like when it comes to school stuff, um, I use those tools, but I definitely like it affects my work. Like it, it affects me everywhere. Like it, it's hard to deal with. Yeah. It just, uh, affects me in every way. It makes me impulsive, reactionary and doing sloppy work. 
<laughs> it sucks. Uh, but it it's part of me and I'm used to it. And I've had it, you know, my whole life. So yeah, that's it. And I think I'm going to end it on that really positive note. <laughs> oh God. Love you guys. Uh, actually, I'm really glad I did this. I feel really invigorated. Remember when I started the podcast, I said I was so tired, but that, that ran about Chelsea, Chelsea memo, like really woke me up. So I'm going to go read a chapter and take notes on it. So I love you guys. If you want to subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. If you don't, it's okay. (laughs) No, could you imagine if I was like, if you don't stop listening? (laughs) Anyway, thank you all so much for being listeners of Feathers in My Hair. Thank you all so much for supporting me. Thank you all so much for caring about me and giving me, allowing me to have the platform that I do. I love you all very much. Everybody have a good week and I will talk to you next week. And everybody pray that my first week of graduate school goes well. Okay, bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.